Welcome to What's New on the Scene. Today I'm chatting with Memory Motel from Sydney. Would you like to introduce yourselves and sort of the origin story of the band? Uh, all right. Well, we're Memory Motel. I'm Tom. I'm the drummer. We have Ben, the bass player, Ruby, the singer. Hello. The player, and Baz, our lead guitarist. Um, the origin story of the band, I guess it all started in high school. Me and Baz had been playing music together since school. And we took a little shitty music elective at uni. Um, and we had to do those really awkward icebreakers and it went around the circle and Baz said one thing and it went round to Ruby and she said like an identical thing and we went oh she seems cool we should talk to her after and we did and then we hang we hung out and we ended up jamming together uh flash forward uh we had to put on a little show for our mate Jude and no one knew a bass player so a friend <laughs> of a friend of a friend Ben uh, played yeah. with us and then after the show we stole him away for our own uh Flash forward again, we played a couple of gigs together as Memory Motel, and then we all went, we need one more player to round out this team. And Baz had been friends with Mitch, so we got Mitch in, and it was uh, love at first sight. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and here we are today. What genre would you say the band's music fits into? And I guess, has it changed or evolved to something that you're happy with now, or are you still sort of working through where you want it to end up? Wait. <laughs> You're the driving force of the band, you go. <laughs> um, I feel like initially we did more psych rock kind of stuff. Um, and we still do that, but now it's more kind of dream pop. We've got some shoegaze elements. Um, so it's kind of just a mix of different genres. I don't know, would you guys agree? Yeah. Yeah, it's sort of changed over the years. Yeah. Um, it's definitely got a bit more dreamier and like I think we try and work a bit more like pop inspirations into like our writing or whatnot. Um, but I think when it started off, or at least when I was first in the band, it was very um, jam-oriented, and like psych rock jams. What was the defining moment for each of you where you decided that music was what you wanted to as a career? And I guess where did the idea that being in a band was maybe better than playing as an individual was something that you wanted to pursue and not just something on the back burner that you thought it may just happen there was actually like a driving force to form a band um for me i reckon it was uh after i came back from my gap year i was doing psychology and i did a semester of that and i'm like oh man this sucks like if i do this the rest of my life like this is just going to be brutal and i always wanted to do music um but then they're like, you know what, just stick it out for like a year, see if it goes well. And the second semester, I pretty much just was solely doing music. So I'd already made that up in my mind. And just um, I also think uh, the lockdowns helped quite a lot um, because that was like the one thing that kept me sane uh, before lockdown and during lockdown. And so coming out of that was kind of like the affirmation I needed. Like this is definitely something I want to do for the rest of my life. And um I'll make it work. Doesn't matter if I'm not making heaps of money, because it brings me a lot of peace of mind. Anyone else? <laughs> um, I reckon I have a similar story. I just started doing it in high school with you, and it just slowly builds up. Where you're doing it like once a day, twice a day, then suddenly you're like missing uni classes, doing it, and you're doing it all the time. You're constantly researching it. I remember I went on a walk over the Harbour Bridge with my mum 
one day and I'd been thinking about it for a while and she just asked me like, so you've been in uni for a year or something. Do you know what you want to do? And I was just sort of like, I think I just want to do music. And she was like, she was like, um, if it's really what you want to do, then um, I'm not going to stop you. Like I, she's not going to force me to be an accountant or something. And I think when she said that, I was like, all right, hell yeah, let's just take a swing at this. If it goes wrong, then it goes wrong. But if you don't ever take a shot at it, then I guess you just your whole life wandering. <laughs> and there you have it. <laughs> what music have each of you been listening to recently? Are there any standout bands or artists and have they sort of come back into your life, some of the bands that you've been listening to or artists or are they just random songs that you just find online and you keep listening to? Yeah, I don't know. I sort of I sort of get um like habitually addicted to like a certain artist or album for like a brief stretch of time and then it just kind of grows. Like I've been um really into like black midi right now and it's been like a bit of a trend for a while where it's like just um perpetually listening to the same two or three albums on loop, like Schlagenheim, Cavalcade and Hellfire. So I think that it doesn't really like incorporate that much into the band because it's more just like my personal thing that i'm really into right now this is my nerd thing um but yeah i don't know i think that's that's the main one right now yeah i gotta i gotta agree with mitch my uh my personal musical tendencies i it's like even though I, like i play in a band and stuff I don't, I don't really find myself discovering a lot of like new stuff i i definitely just like find something and it's usually just like while i'm driving or like while i'm doing you know menial tasks that i just like put something on repeat so i have like my my classics like my my playlist that i have and it's just got a lot of like grunge and metal and stuff like um that's like you know i'm loving smashing pumpkins at the moment so i'm redoing them and uh as mitch said black midi still still loving them and yeah just i find myself just going in like massive loops and stuff and um yeah, the new Glastonbury's like uh came out all the all the YouTube videos. I'm going through them. Yeah, that's it. like that's like the new black hole of um, <laughs> of music where it's like who's the one performance from Glastonbury or like right now for Glastonbury where you're like, Oh, okay, I'm gonna go now like listen to every single one of the albums and watch every single one of the live performances. Yeah. Um it's the beauty of YouTube. Yeah. Big rabbit holes. <laughs> um i'm kind of the same as ben i'm pretty religious to like a couple bands and then i feel like the more music i do in my own time like i just go back to and i pick up different things just because of like having that production like mindset behind the scenes when you go back and listen to something like like an album you really love you kind of pick up on stuff you didn't the first couple times um but weirdly enough i've getting i've been getting heaps of like classical music uh which got like Bach and Mozart on this like pretty fire playlist. Um, but yeah, I listen to pretty much anything. I, I don't know. I just, I'm kind of just like a party mix of songs, you know? Bar Caspian. That's all I have to say. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I'm the same as Mitch. I'll just like listen to one genre for like a couple months um, at a time. And then I'll be like, oh my gosh, I'm so sick of this. And then it turns, I go to a new genre or new band. At the moment, it's like Earth Eater. And like Charlie XCX, I'm in my like electronic kind of hyperpop phase, oh, yeah. which will probably end soon because it's been a few months. <laughs> but yeah, it's almost seasonal. Hey, like it yeah, never, yeah. <laughs> definitely. <clears throat> 
Which bands and or artists would you say influence the band's sound the most? And I guess has that changed the import over the time that you've been writing the songs? And I guess are there any new ones that you want to sort of add their flavour to your music but you're a bit unsure about how it would fit into, I guess, where you want to head in the next, say, year or two with your music? I think like with the new with the new EP, it sort of shifted a bit. We were really listening to a lot of like um, George Clinton around the time of writing because we were like we had like the traditional like psych rock and like shoegaze influences of like bands like Slow Dive and Pond and stuff. But I think we tried to get a bit more um, into like the vaporwave world of the sound design, especially with the keys and like synth patches that we made. So I think George Clinton was one that sort of came up in recent time that sort of influenced a lot of the new EP that came out. Um, I'm not really sure what I'd want to go like for next because we just finished like the whole process of this EP, but I feel like I'd like to like incorporate in like some like art rock writing styles, but you start writing like um, songs that are less like the uh, typical structure of like verse, chorus, verse, chorus, and more, I don't know, more storytelling stuff. But I don't know, we have to figure out if that's what we want to do. <laughs> Yeah, I think no matter what we probably do next, it'll probably end up being like another eclectic um, mismatch of um, genres because we did just start getting into George Clanton like right around the time that we wrote this EP. And I think we'll probably come off the tail end of that. We'll probably write a couple more that sound like that. And then suddenly someone will be like, it'll probably be Mitch will be like, I I found this sick new artist. And we'll all be like, damn, we should do one like that. But um. Yeah, it's, it's definitely changed slowly over time. I think when we started, we were definitely going for like a Tame Impala, a Pond, a Melody's Echo Chamber sort of sound. Then it meshed into like a slow dive, far dreamier thing. I feel like, yeah, Beach House. And I feel like we're sort of coming off the tail end of us all being really into that. And I feel like we'll probably quickly, slowly, quickly um, move into something new. What that is, I guess we don't know until we know, but um, yeah. It, it just I guess like any band any band that wants to survive you have to change slowly over time so what that'll be we don't know yeah I heard we, we had a gig on the weekend it was like our biggest ever gig it was awesome but a bunch of people came up to me and they were like oh you know um you start listening to it and you know you, you think you know where it's going like where the song is like where you you know what you're feeling and then it just takes like another turn and it's like really like uplifting and stuff and I'm just like look like honestly to me like you listen to music and then you're like oh yeah all the you know these artists and stuff these writers they know what they're doing they've got like their finger on the pulse they know where it's going and like stuff but you know ultimately they don't and it's just what happens happens and it kind of felt like that with us like I like to this day no matter what people tell me still can't put my finger on it yeah (laughs) no what it is you um, make it with some intention in mind and then someone hears something completely different yeah. and you go, I meant to do that. <laughs> I think I think I think that's like a big thing about music is just like beauty is in the eye of the beholder and like it's just up to interpretation and like it's like a very like some people say some things and some people say another. Like it just it's I don't know, it's funny to me and I just you know, I can't I can't really I don't really see us fitting into a genre at the moment. I think we we all have like really different tastes and sort of bring that to the table and that's sort of like where it goes 
So yeah, I think it's pretty cool. What is each of your go-to albums or songs that you'll always come back to no matter what mood you're in? And I guess if you are trying to write songs, is this something that you use to sort of start that process for you? For me, it's always going to be um, Ultraviolence, Lana Del Rey. Um, <laughs> yeah, ever since I was like 13, she's been a big inspiration, <laughs> just music-wise. Like, I guess just because her... Um, She's got lots of poems as well, so that's quite inspiring. Um, so Ultraviolence, what else? Um, Queens of the Stone Age, Songs for the Deaf. That's a classic I always come back to. Yep. <laughs> um, I'm on the sp- Someone else say something because <laughs> I can't think of anymore. I think no matter what we make or no matter how a song starts, my brain always crosses through how can the drums sound like lonerism. Um, <laughs> I, I, I guess I can't go past that. That's how we started. And I think no matter where we no matter where we push the music in the future, I think my brain will always go through a quick phase. It'll be like, or or I could do something like Apocalypse Dreams on this and I'd I'd be happy with that. So yeah, I guess that's what for me. Um, I guess mine's like I always tell people like my role in the band is just to make noises. Um and one of like my albums I constantly go back to when I want to like come up with different ideas for stuff is um Invention by Daedalus. And he's like this early 2000s producer. He made the sample for Accordion by MF Doom. Um, but like he just uses like really simple, weird sounds in like really creative ways. And it's kind of that thing that like it brings me back to being like less is more and just like trying to come up with interesting sounds and ideas that aren't trying to reinvent the wheel, but just trying to do stuff in, I guess, like different weird ways, unconventional ways. I think that's like the album I default to for that. Yeah. I'm going to go with Ruby and say Songs for the Deaf. Uh, yep. Uh, since childhood, probably my top five favorite albums. Um, Love My Tool, so probably Lateralis. Lateralis by Tool. I got these guys into a little bit of Tool. and uh, I love you, Tool. Barry's, Barry's mind was blown. Um, what else? Dirt by Alison Chains. Massive 90s grunge fans. So, like anything, Alison Chains, their MTV Live album is like a work of art. Yeah, stuff like that. For me, it's got to be uh, Animals by Pink Floyd. Um, that album is uh, every time I uh, get a little bit older, it just hits a little bit harder. And also, just like the tones and stuff that got in that from the 70s was just nuts. Um, so that's kind of like my bread and butter from like uh, whenever we like jam or stuff. I'm always just like, that's sort of like my catalog. And then I'm just branch out from there, um, which I think is a good starting point too. Cause you want to like, you want your kind of home base to um, encompass enough genres that you never feel completely out of your depth that you can always tune in. But yeah, that, that album's just insane. David Gilmore, bless him. Just it on vinyl. <laughs> I did, yeah. Original pressing, 1977. Yeah. yeah, it skips so much, the first side's so bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's so bad. The second side's eats, though, but the first side's so bad. What is what is the band's creative and recording processes like, and do you have any advice for new bands and artists to refine their songwriting and producing skills? Um, well, I guess, like, for, for this last EP, the writing process, we kind of did it in bulk, um, which we hadn't really done too much of before. We sort of would write before just that whenever we would jam. 
But I think when we wrote this, we sort of had the in, um, the intent of going away and coming back with a catalogue of songs. And then we went back to record them. So like half the songs from the EP were recorded by ourselves. Um, and Tom did the mixing for them. And the other half, we went to um, James Christofsky's studio in Roseville, um, Blank Space Studios, two other ones. So it was a bit of a blend between like recording ourselves and recording track by track. And then we tried a bit of like live recording together as a band with James. Um, so it was a bit of a mixed bag for the EP. Yeah. We normally do everything ourselves, but on this one, we thought um, try and bring in some other influences on some of like the crazier ones where we knew it would like really take it out of us. Like multiplicity goes pretty crazy at the end. There's a lot of moving parts. And I think we just said to ourselves, or at least I said to myself, this is going to destroy me if I have to mix this. So let's do it with um, someone and we can destroy them instead with how, how many moving parts we have. Um, I guess in terms of like advice for other bands, I think just like we we write and we jam, we've been writing and jamming stuff together for quite a while. And I think it's about like just building chemistry together. Like I'm sure if two incredible mus- musicians get in the room together, they can write something insane. Um like nine times out of 10 but like if you're a band starting out i think just building that chemistry together because i think like we wrote stuff for a while and at the time we thought this sounded pretty good but then i think just one day it sort of clicks together and you can all sort of feed off each other's energy and you can sort of feel where the other person's going go because you know what they're like as a musician and then suddenly writing just becomes so much easier because like you can feel where the other people are about to like change too and you can feel when something's about to break down and everything just works like really smoothly so i guess the boring answer is practice makes perfect (laughs) yeah trial and error just throwing stuff against the wall and like we haven't really i don't know we i I wouldn't say that we've like nailed our writing process and everything we're still figuring out what works best for us i think it's just like trial and error like just keep trying different methods if they're not working for you like we sometimes mix it up and someone will bring an idea in for like the bones of the song or sometimes it'll happen spontaneously in the jam. But I think just, yeah, keeping at it and finding your groove, what finds best, what works best for your band, I guess. I come from a improvisational background, um, just from like school and other endeavors in life. I reckon uh, yes and's really good advice for new bands. Like most bands will like come in, they'll jam together and then they'll leave after the jam and everyone's kind of got their own sort of vision of how they see the direction of the band. But you kind of have to put that aside when you're all with each other in the same room and just take on every idea. Um, even if you think you found a sound and like something new comes along, I reckon just exploring different avenues. I think uh, with that EP as well, like two of the songs, Dizzy and Catatonic, have a really different energy. And I reckon if we'd said that wasn't our sound, we would have lost um, those two songs. And I reckon they're like two of my favorites. So it's good just to like, yes, and and just see what happens, not just shoot anything down straight away. And that like applies to production as well. Like just being super flexible and um, really pursuing something before you say you're going to stick with it or change it, like really give it a red hot go. Who would you say has given the band the best advice about succeeding in the music industry as a band and I guess more generally in the scene in Sydney? My dad gave me some really good advice. Um, He said writing is rewriting, but I'm pretty sure he took that off a masterclass out off YouTube. (laughs) <laughs> and it was like 
<laughs> you know the ads you get before a video? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Anyone else got some advice? I don't know if we get any advice. Well, I don't know. From like out other bands. Own, we're out in the wild west. Yeah, we're out in the, no <laughs> out in the cold. <laughs> we, um, we, uh, we did a gig in Thoreau once and we met this old bloke. <laughs> it was like it was like 7 30 p.m. And um and we just finished we just finished sound check, I think. Yeah. And we like went to the bar and got a beer and this guy just like moseys on over and is just like ah oh, like incoherently like what are you guys playing? We're like, oh yeah, we like psych rock and stuff. And then he was like I'll quit while you're ahead. That's been done. <laughs> yeah, he went to me. I was like really vague. I said, um, uh, like psychedelic rock. I don't think this like 60-year-old um incoherent guy from the pub and thrill is gonna get what I'm talking about. And he's like, Oh, like the tame and parlors. Oh, it's been done, mate. Get out. <laughs> I was like, oh, your bike, lad. <laughs> that's that's uh, he was right. He was right. We're done for. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that's the best piece of advice that we've gotten and we're uh, uh, we're quitting so <laughs> this is the short. last this is the last interview we'll ever do <laughs> who would you say have been the most influential people in allowing you to pursue a career in music and i guess are there any new people that have sort of come into your lives as you've done more gigs and sought out new opportunities for venues or places that you want to play at um well i guess just off the bat the the lame answer my parents have never at any point stopped me from being a musician even though that's probably not what you want to hear your son say when he's 18 and he's about to start uni but um uh one person who has been absolutely supporting us so hard in the past year or so who's been getting us opportunities like no other uh sean hats nicolau from 2scr he's like a pr man a hr man no not a hr man <laughs> he's a marketing man behind the scenes even if like uh, i'm not paying him to do so um he's just a wonderful human and he recommends us at every stop Everywhere. and he's gotten us so many opportunities as of late and uh we love him so much <laughs> yeah definitely and just just um just the whole like um like gigging community like we've made so many like connections and friends that um we've like played with one band Safford that were like at our we played with them at our like third ever gig and we still go to each other's gigs and show face and show support like other friends Uterp they're always they've always shown face at our our gigs and we play with them heaps and just like yeah you see. You see faces in the crowd, like when you get up and play, and you're like, "Oh God, they're you know they're in that bed." It's just, it's just cool. It's just like the community sort of all gets together, and no one's getting paid to do it. No one's doing anything. It's just like a bunch of passionate people, yeah, sort of banding together, which is pretty, which is pretty like. In fact, often they're paying out of their own pocket yeah. to come to the gig to support you. Yeah, and I just I I can't think of any other like industry or anything that does that, and we're just all like early 20s you know what we can with what we've got and there's no no big you know especially financial backing but no big like um you know pr sort of people behind it all it's just all like fully independent self-propelled which is cool what would you say you've done over the years to make sure that 
as individuals and I guess as a band, you're able to produce the quality music that you've always <clears throat> wanted to do but have a balance between lives that you've established outside of music? Well, I do think we push each other pretty hard, but I think like at the end of the day, like we've said before, like we are all really just like friends first and foremost. And like, you know, when something comes up or when, you know, we take care of each other and like, yep, uh, big love hearts, says Angus. Um, and like uh, it goes through phases where things are a lot of work, but then things are a lot of fun. And I think like we've just gone through a ton of work putting the EP together. And now for, for all our sakes, we're, we're going to take a little break and like uh, turn it back into fun again. So then we can put the work in eventually. Because if you just pu keep pushing yourself unendlessly, it stops being fun and it just starts becoming a slog. And I think if it's just a slog, where's the, where's the passion and the fun coming from anymore? Why are we even doing this? So I think, yeah, you just have to, you have to set boundaries and you have to be like, take breaks and um, beyond just pushing yourselves really hard, but okay. to do this do this constantly all the time <laughs> does the band have any interesting hobbies or fun things that you do together separately yeah we we have this tradition um where we'll uh, eat a killer of wings at surly's you know sorry hills um that's a hobby eating wings <laughs> <laughs> i reckon so what do, what do you reckon ruby i guess so we haven't done it for a while so maybe soon we should do that Mm. yeah i feel like music is kind of well it's not a hobby but i'm not studying like music i'm doing a communications degree so it's like um i'm doing like two things at once but definitely music's the passion but hobbies would just i just love reading i just read all the time just novels <laughs> i don't know if that's a hobby but that's yeah <laughs> you make an art oh yeah i make yeah <laughs> what would you call that yeah that's a hobby <laughs> <laughs> So what are three albums that you would put in a time capsule for future generations to discover? So I guess maybe if there's three that you can agree on collectively, otherwise you're going to have so many albums, you probably wouldn't be able to fit them in a time yeah. capsule if you were actually putting them in there. But Mitch, you have to pick. Yeah, Mitch. Mitch Why? Pick. That's not <laughs> <laughs> Come on, Mitch. Yeah, you know good. us all. You can like use your musical. Yeah, but the problem words. is that everyone has too many different favorites. That someone's going to be upset. That's fine. <laughs> Go. Okay. I'm going to be incredibly upset. Um, uh, I would pick Slide by George Clan because it's. Do I have to give the reasons or do I have to say? <laughs> uh, say the album. Say the album. Yeah. Uh, Slide by George Clanton. Um, I would say. It's in the <laughs> a king gives, um, king gives one. Yeah, I guess if it's going to be a king gives one, it'll be um, I'm in your mind, fuzz. And then the aliens are going to be listening to us in a thousand years. What do you want them to hear? I want them to hear uh, Mad Villainy. I want them to hear oh, yeah, um, right. Multiplicity by Memory Motel. <laughs> oh yeah, sorry, R.E.P. Yeah, um, all three of those oh, answers are Multiplicity no. by um, Memory Motel. <laughs> oh, if I had to pick one song to be like Earth's national anthem, it'd be Dizzy. <laughs> <laughs> sorry that was terrible that was shocking yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that was so bad that was terrible Get over yourself what were they 
No, I said I said slide, George Clinton, I'm in your mind, Fuzz, and Mad Villainy. Do any of you have interesting stories about meeting celebrities or I guess bands that you've always wanted to play alongside and that dreams finally come true? Like have you ever met your idols? I have one story. I didn't per se get to meet him. But like I've been banging on about, I'm a huge, huge Tame Impala fan. And I, I went to Splendor 2019 to see them live and saw them live on the first night, second night, Childish Gambino plays. The crowd's dispersing at the end. As everyone's walking away, me and a guy bump into each other and we just sort of give each other like the, oh, sorry, mate. Oh, no, you're right, mate. Keep walking for a couple of seconds. Then suddenly my brain registers who I've just ran into it was Kevin Parker from Tame Impala. I spin around. I'm like, holy shit. My one, my one chance to say hello to the guy or to munch his ear off. I spin around. I'm like, holy shit. Um, and as I've turned around, he's walking into the VIP artist section <laughs> behind like a wall that I'm not allowed to go behind. And I just see him disappear behind the wall. I'm like devastated. I'm like, oh, no, it was my one chance to talk to him. And now it's forever gone and I, um, I'll die unhappy. <laughs> I don't know that. Yeah. That's pretty funny. Bummer. <laughs> All I got to say to him was, um, Sorry, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, no, nah, you're right, mate. <laughs> Watch where you're going, yeah. mate. <laughs> <laughs> Who do you think you are? I did meet the Wiggles, so. Oh. The original the Wiggles, though, or the new ones? Original baby, okay, original. Oh. Yeah, <laughs> we're talking original shapes, you know. Yeah, absolute legends. Love them to death. I don't think I've ever met a famous person. <laughs> I met Hockey Dad when I was fifteen. I don't know if that. Did <laughs> 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 you you're famous? What? Whoa! Crazy. <laughs> I saw I saw Matt from DMAs in Newtown, and I. I undid my seatbelt and hung out the window and took a photo with him. <laughs> That's about Sick. it. Yeah. What were you like, seventeen? Uh, yeah, I actually was seventeen. <laughs> but it was when they were like in their, in their like peak, like. Hell yeah. And he was just laughing his head off. He's like, "Mate, you're a legend." Pretty funny. Still oh, weird. Mitch met Psycho. <laughs> yeah okay i i um i personally embarrassed myself in front of psycho i don't think she picked up on it but i felt um really stupid uh we went we were going to the psycho the lansdowne um and like she sent us a message in response to some story that we posted the day of i can't remember what it was about um but then like we sent like two messages back to her and it was like Oh, we just chatted to Psycho. Cool. Like we're like friends now. <laughs> um, and then like after the gig, yeah, after the gig, they were like outside the Lansdowne, like packing up. And we were like kind of hovering around and like clearly like kind of wanted to go hi- say hi, but didn't know how. And I was just like, we're just going for it. I just went for it. I just went straight in for the conversation. Um, and I tried to like bring up the fact that we'd spoken just before, like on Instagram. And like, oh, hey, we're Mary Motel, we're just chatting. Didn't didn't know who we were or what. We were. <laughs> Sorry, my manager. My manager. Uh, and they were like, "Oh, we're gonna get our Uber." I was like, "Yeah, it's probably best." No deal. No deal. No, it wasn't. It wasn't good. I felt really bad after it. <laughs> she doesn't remember. Nah, she doesn't care. What would you say has been the band's favorite gig so far? And maybe if there's oh. a second gig, do you want to add that as well? 
I reckon when we went down to Wollongong, those two ones were just like, <laughs> it was yeah. just so cooked. Like, <laughs> it was like our first kind of out of Sydney sucked, gig. <laughs> hey? I think the gig sucked. It was the night surrounding the gig that was great. Yeah, yeah true, actually. Probably the best one was the Lansdowne that we just played then, yeah. <laughs> to be honest, uh, last week. We yeah. played one at Botany View Hotel with Elliot Road like a year ago, and I think... I think that was probably the cleanest set we've ever played start to finish. I don't think we made like a single mistake. And I was like, hell yeah, we've made it. We're sick. I don't remember that. I don't even remember. I don't even remember what happens. I just remember the feeling. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good point, Ben. The feeling's definitely what you take away from it, eh? I'm always like, I'm always like thinking about it. I'm like, damn, that was a good gig. Yeah, I'd probably say Lansdowne. Um, some there's some ones like early on that were that probably felt really good, but weren't actually. Oh yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> like ones like when you're just starting out, you're playing your like first gig to like 75 people, and you feel like there's you know you're playing in like your Metallica playing in Russia to 1.2 million people. But um, yeah, I don't know. Just yeah, some of the early ones are really fun. They're playing like 10 people, but you're just playing music. Mm. They're all enjoyable. What would you say is the band's favourite venue to play at? Are there any standout ones that you sort of want to come back to? The mm-hmm. venue has been good to us. I love the Yuli's mm-hmm. Yeah, I reckon top three, Yuli's Brews, Bonnie View and Lansdowne <laughs> for me. That's a good list. Mm. Just like sound-wise, it's really good. And like the people that work there are really lovely. The sound guys, they're all really good. Um, yeah. Anyway. <laughs> no, you've already spoken for me. Yeah, no, I'd, I'd probably agree with those venues. Um, I really like, even though it's not like um, the perfect sound room, I always like the Gladstone upstairs and like the um, in the Good Space Gallery. So it's got a nice feeling to it. Like it's a very intimate venue um, to play gigs to and you don't need like that many people for it to really feel like a, a packed out crowd. So I always like playing at the Gladi. Also, because it's like super close to my house, so it's like easy to get home. <laughs> you, you shameless, you shameless man. Just walk around, this drunk. I liked Ryan. Oh. That sounded alright. That was alright. That was fun. Anything that has a bigger stage, because like a five piece is pretty hard yeah. to manage. Yeah, we, well. we got a lot of gear. We get pretty, uh, we get pretty close and personal up on stage if it's not big. Yeah, alright, it's big for you know a small band pub gig. <laughs> Yeah, the Gladstone's always the squeeze. Like when I first started the band, I was playing guitar and then I worked in keys and we had three guitars going and two keyboards like in this really tiny corner of the Good Space Gallery. And it was like, man, we really don't need three guitars. This is like too much stuff on the stage at once for five people. Like it was such a squish. I like how we've uh, made out, we've, we've changed so much since when we started. Like we were both guitarists and on keys as well yeah and reviews on guitar i like how we're stripped down yeah no i um i took a step back so the band's latest release is your ep and do you want to talk about i guess the how you came up with the title of it who sort of i guess came up with the ideas for starting the project and i guess did it come together the way that you wanted it to in terms of recording? And then how was the release process? Ruby. <laughs> uh, I t- Tom came out with the name Multiplicity. Yeah. Um, 
yeah um but riding wise we kind of we went away on we have like a little we don't own it but like it's an airbnb that we go to it's like a little farm stay and that's where most of the like instrumentals are written um most of them yeah um and then we kind of do it so we all write the instrumentals together or someone will come up with chords or like um the kind of main gist of it and then I'll put the vocals and like melody on top of that um yeah and then I don't know kind of because all the songs are very different I feel like so it kind of just yeah well that's yeah. why I got multiplicity out of because I think like we've said we have quite an eclectic taste and we like write in quite an eclectic way and I was listening to it and I was like these are all sort of psych rock and dreamy but they don't sort of sit under one banner and so i thought multiplicity was just the perfect name for that because it was like you know, it's a it's a big variety of like different sounds and vibes and like ethereal sounds and stuff like that yeah <laughs> mitch <laughs> oh yeah um i guess i'll talk about like the artwork as well that we did for the ep um we worked with two people um to get that created and sort of like the singles for the search and the multiplicity were like um, variations of the final EP work. Um, so we worked with someone called Camille, um, who is a Sydney-based illustrator. And so we kind of wanted to go down the aesthetic route of the fantastical and the dreamy, because I felt like the sound was gearing away from more like intense psych rock jam stuff to more ethereal and dreamy. So we wanted to sort of capture that in the imagery of it um and so like me and ruby worked on some sketches for like different ideas and we sort of realized that we're not that good at sketching and that we should probably look at it given the illustrator um so we worked with camille to do a bunch of different commissioned um pieces and then a good friend of mine hugh rocks who's done all of our graphic design for our, our previous releases they worked through the the ep artwork and then we sort of yeah pulled apart different variations for the singles um just so they could have a bit more of like a, a, cons- a consistent look in the release plan of it so that when we drop the first two singles, there's like a consistent theme of the illustrations and the fantasy um, element going through all the artwork into the EP. What would you say is the dream venue in Australia? And I guess if you ever got the opportunity to play overseas, what is a venue that you do want to play at? And more. Yeah, yeah. I think for Sydney is the end more. That's, that's like mm. the... Um, the gold star of like Sydney gigs. Yeah, um, you're up in Sydney and you see like the big acts play at the end more. So that'd have to be it. Big top? Is that still a thing? At oh, yeah, it is. It is. Yeah. yeah. I want to play at big top. That's where we used to do like our <laughs> end of year school, like a seven year park big yeah. top. Yeah. <laughs> it all yeah. comes. To <laughs> Overseas, there's a sick one in, uh, I think it's called Red Rocks. Yeah, yeah dude. Like, Amphitheater, mm. Red Rocks. That, that one's, oh, that's insane. Probably rather yeah. that over, this is such a big shot, but everyone says like Madison Square Garden, but I reckon Red Rocks <laughs> would be way cooler. Yeah. I think like, I'm not saying we're going to get like, like, yeah. Yeah, I feel like um, you don't really, like a lot of cool bands ever play Madison Square Garden. I feel like it's kind of like, it's only, they only get bands I can guarantee will sell it out. So you're not really seeing like, uh, the bands you want to see, you're just seeing kind of people playing the best hits. I know, hot take, who knows? <laughs> Silence. What does the rest of the year look like for the band? Uh, we got a we got a few more gigs uh, scheduled for like the next coming months. 
We are going to Melbourne for the first time at the end of July um, for two gigs back-to-back down there. We're playing with some really cool bands down there um, at the Tote and at Whole Lot of Love Bar. Um, and then we're coming back on the Saturday after that for a Sydney gig, which I don't know if I'm allowed to say or announce what it is yet because it hasn't been announced. Um, but yeah, so we got a few more gigs. Um, and then I think we're just kind of going to enjoy jamming again throughout the year. I don't think we've really made any plans for new projects to work on. Um, I think we just kind of want to get back to, I don't know, the jamming aspect and just writing for fun. And then, you know, there'll be some more gigs later in the year. Absolutely. Go away. We're going. Yeah. We're going away. We're going hard. And then we're... Coming home. Yeah. And then we're coming home. <laughs> and then we're going to chill out and write some new music before we, like, fire up the engines again, hopefully at the end of the year. Maybe make our way to some uh, towns out of Sydney, um, hopefully. Mm. In terms of the new music that you want to make towards, I guess, the end of the year, is it going to be uh, another EP or are you trying to aim for an album? I've not even thought about that. I guess it'll all, <laughs> we don't know now. I guess it'll all depend on what we end up writing next. I think, I think we're going to, we had briefly chatted amongst ourselves in the uh in the wake of the EP and it was sort of like a especially for Tom we're just like oh we're not doing that again yeah we're gonna we're gonna, we're gonna do things differently next reform, time reform our process a little bit and just like sort yeah. of grab it naturally instead of forcing not that not that yeah. it was forced but like I felt like we had enough you know we gave ourselves a little bit more credit yeah we had yeah thought we We'd sort of planned to put an EP out, and so that was Enough. our goal. Yeah, I think this time around we're gonna like let the music form more naturally, yeah. and then be like, "All right, now we have the songs to make an EP or make an album or make you know a couple tiny EPs that all maybe follow a different." I don't think. Yeah, I think Ben wanted to like do a cheeky acoustic thing, which I see that as being like we could definitely do acoustic stuff of songs before the year's out, but I don't think we're gonna release. Maybe like one more single, but I think we've we're just gonna like gig a lot more. Hey, we don't really want to like burn ourselves out too much. Yeah. Who knows? Yeah, I just yeah, we try, I think we'll try and do everything a bit more compartmentalized, and then step back and go, do we have a project, or where do we want this to go, or just like sort of do it so like holistically. Just be like, yeah, I feel like we drained ourselves, especially yeah, Tom. I think that's the smart way to do it next yeah. time. So we don't know when the next music will come out. Hopefully sooner rather than later. But I guess we'll see. We got we got stuff to do. We got yeah. We can make a we can make a video a video clip or something. Or, yeah. <laughs> we got pod, we got podcasts. We do a, we do actually have some sick videos coming out at some uh, stage in the next couple of months. What is a song or album recommendation for the podcast listeners to check out that's been released by? A band or artist from your local music scene in Sydney. There's a great EP that just came out by Manfredo Lament. Um, does anyone else have any others? I really like Sitting Down's EP. That was yeah, that's a good uh, one. I've been listening to that. Mm. But like, EP, yeah. Uterp's EP yeah. and his slaps. It's really dope. Highly recommend to anyone who wants to learn about the Sydney scene. They're a sick band from Sydney. Mm. Who else has been doing stuff recently? So many people. I'm just instantly blanking as soon as you ask. I know Safford has one coming out like soon, but 
not at the moment. I think those three are pretty good ones. They're yeah. released earlier. I think it was earlier this year or last year. Cut my hair. I really like that track. That was really nice. Um, yeah, keen to see more stuff from them. Mm. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's been great chatting with the band tonight. Good luck with your upcoming gigs in Melbourne and coming back and playing more shows in Sydney and be interesting to see where you venture out to next and sort of test the waters with your fans. But hopefully everyone continues getting around your latest EP, which there'll be a link to in the show notes. So thank you so much for, I guess, being on the podcast. and so oh, yeah. Thanks for having us, Amanda. Thank you, thank you yeah. so much. Thanks, Amanda. Thank you. Yeah. So make sure to stream the latest EP from Memory Motel Multiplicity. So a link for the EP and the socials will be in the show notes. Make sure to follow What's New on the Scene on Instagram and you can listen to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts. So Spotify, Apple Music, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music and wherever else you get your podcasts. We've been What's New on the Scene. See you next time. Thank you.